Hey there, I'm Helen Ornelas, and I've been a life insurance, long-term care, and Medicare broker for over 20 years, helping thousands of clients during this time. I've come across all types of cases, questions, and calls from people who are in planning or in crisis and provided solutions. So welcome to the On Life Podcast with Helen Ornelas. Listen, you know as well as I do that taking care of important things in life is motivating, empowering, and even inspirational. You're thinking, what does this look like? If you're a business owner, executive, or someone who wants to know, what do I need to know about life events, how to prepare, where can I get help, you're in the right place. These life events will be coming your way, and you will receive these phone calls from your family, siblings, in-laws, grandparents, business partners, and friends. What calls do you think are coming my way? Let's find out. I'll be sharing stories, solutions from me, my clients, providers of service, and others that can help you now or in the future. We have the toolbox here on life, so if you're ready, let's get your toolbox loaded up. Hello, and welcome to On Life with Helen. I have a really cool guest today. His name is Mitchell Cooper. He does reverse mortgages with Mutual of Omaha. And it's a very interesting concept. I cannot wait for him to share with you and clarify some of our perceptions of reverse mortgage. And so, Mitch, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? And from there, share with us maybe what you want our listeners to get out of your time on the podcast today. Yeah. Well, I started in the reverse mortgage industry in 2018. actually started because my, my mother's been in the industry for over a decade. And we get along. And so we always <laughs> talked about, you know, working together someday and, and the timing was finally right. And it's really something that has fit into my passions a lot. I, I'm actually really passionate about retirement um, and retirement income planning. And to get to do that and see people's lives change for the better with, with my product is, is a lot of fun. Keeps me, keeps me jumping out of bed. So. Nice. So if there's one thing you want us to leave with at the end of this podcast or understanding, what do you think that might be? The biggest thing is planning ahead and knowing that a reverse mortgage is not something that we wait till the end to put in place. Right. I right. think that's one of the biggest misconceptions, especially amongst financial professionals, is waiting until the very end to use the tool, which is actually one of the worst ways to use it. And that, uh, I think that's the biggest, biggest key there. Yeah, I'll be honest with you until I uh, met with you and, and we've spoken you've changed my whole idea on how to use this. And actually my husband and I are thinking about how to use this possibly for us in the future if we need it. So my podcast is really targeted towards business owners. And the reason that I brought this on here, because a lot of business owners end up taking care of parents, grandparents, and siblings kind of business, right? And that's why I'm super excited for that business owner out there or that person who is dealing with, you know, relatives and other people's stuff to have this in their toolbox. So just a, yeah. a little bit of, yeah. Um, Especially with long-term care, right? I, um, I heard from a long-term care insurance professional once, you know, if you don't allocate some portion of your plan to long-term care, you're allocating all of it, right? right? And then that affects your kids often, you know, and it's usually those adult children who are kind of sandwiched in between in between their parents aging and, and then maybe their kids still living at home, right? It's kind of the generation we have now. 
I know we've had this conversation. I mean, I quote long-term care, I probably do a hundred quotes a year and sell three. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause people are usually looking forward a little bit too late. And, you know, my strategy now is in your twenties and thirties gets a, a long-term care life insurance policy, let it roll at 60, $70 a month and, and you're good, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'm excited to kind of get uh, get some examples on the podcast and stuff. So when you say the retirement road trip, uh, you have down here withdrawal rate, fuel efficiency works better uh, the sooner you put this in place. Can you give us a couple examples of how it works and then maybe yeah. how it didn't work also? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, my favorite analogy is is thinking about this retirement road trip and kind of how that analogy works is, you're saving up fuel for this road trip. And of course, fuel prices is a hot topic as we just <laughs> shut Russian oil off right now. Right. Um, and we're rapidly approaching $6 a gallon. But, you know, if you think, okay, I can put as much fuel in this fuel tank as possible, you know, as I'm working and I can store fuel away. But once you start the trip, you can't go back to a gas station. You know, that's going back to work. So at least you don't want to, or maybe you're unable, but in kind of the analogy, we can't go back to the gas station. And so maybe we're living this extravagant, luxurious life in an RV, and we're getting eight miles to the gallon, but we're loving life and we're really comfortable. Well, and then, of course, that's going to burn the fuel pretty quickly. And so one of the things is, okay, if we get to the end, now our tank is empty, and now we go, oh, we need to get a more fuel-efficient vehicle. Well, at that point, you need a bicycle, right? I mean, if your tank is empty, <laughs> fuel yeah. efficiency is not going to help you. And so that's really the key with the reverse is we're going to make that RV drive more, maybe like an SUV, you know, it's getting 20 miles a gallon, or maybe it's the SUV lifestyle. And now we're more like a sedan where we're getting 30 miles a gallon, or maybe we're a Prius, right? Whatever it is, we're trying to make that same lifestyle more fuel efficient, right? And so the sooner that we get to put that in place, the more effective it is, right? And so it's really really key for most people putting it in place sooner rather than later and always looking at it sooner. That's what I kind of always preach is you can look at it before it's time to do it, but you can't go back in time and go, yeah, we should have done it 10 years ago. And, and an example of that, similar to what you were saying, an adult child taking care of her mom, they spent down all of mom's assets. She's been on bedridden dementia for five years, which is pretty uncommon for a long-term care need to be that long. Mm-hmm. Spent down all of mom's assets. Now daughter living with mom, putting stuff on, putting care on credit cards, you know, just trying to survive. Oh, that's heartbreaking. And we have a free and clear house sitting there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the advisor actually did good and recommended the reverse years before. They didn't want to go through with it. And now we're sitting here with no assets and we're able to draw the 5000 a month that mom needs from the home. But it's only going to last a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You know, it's only going to last about three years. Now, of course, we're still, you know, hoping we hope mom makes it. But at the same time, you know, obviously financially, mom not continuing to live is more helpful. But had we put that in place five or 10 years earlier, she could have gotten lifetime income of $2,100 a month off of the reverse. And then we wouldn't have to draw the assets so quickly. And those right. assets are growing, right? Those assets have much better potential of continuing and we wouldn't have depleted all the assets. And and then you can also kick the income into high gear later, if as long as there's potential line of credit available. There's still potential for that income to be kicked up into high gear. So 
that's one of the keys where like, you know, we if we had this five years ago, your whole picture looks different. What do you think the resistance was? Is it just that people are afraid of losing control of their home or, you know, a legacy that maybe a parent or a grandparent was hoping to pass on to the next person? Yeah, I think there's a there's so many things battling against reverse mortgages these days, right? We had the horribleness of the 60s when they first started, when they did take ownership of the home, to non-borrowing spouses getting kicked out, which they got fixed in 2009. So there's been a lot of issues that they've been slowly fixing. But one of them, I think, is people still see it as a failure and not a tool. Mm. Um, I think people think, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine having a reverse mortgage. And that's just really not a good way of thinking about it. It's just another tool, like all the other tools, and they work best paired together. But the big one that I, I've been talking about, you know, there's modern retirement theory, where you kind of have your your basic needs at the bottom discretionary spending in the middle. It's kind of like a food pyramid right? and legacy at the top. And for whatever reason, we stick the home in legacy, mm-hmm. right? And we don't use the home for discretionary spending. We don't use the home equity for your basic needs. And we just put that one asset in legacy for whatever reason. It's just kind of the way we are. When in reality, if we had done that plan where we put it in sooner, we could have left the kids money. Right. Right. You know, and instead of a free and clear house, let's leave them $500,000 in an IRA and, you know, probably $300,000 in home equity. And so we're trying to use that that home equity tool safely and responsibly. But, you know, one of the things we often talk about is equity doesn't have a return. Right. The home has a return, regardless if you owe money on it or not. The home returns the same. So, you know, if you have a $400,000 house and the next year it's worth four ten, you got $10,000 in equity. It, it, it doesn't care if you're free and clear or owe four hundred dollars on it. And so let's use that equity and keep the assets in the IRA, in the 401k that actually grow. That yes. actually makes a lot of sense. When you have a tool that is protected like the modern reverse mortgage, right, where you can't owe more than the house is worth, you can, we can't come after other assets. The debt is limited to the home. It's much safer. How do, you know, beneficiaries of the home in the sense of a child, grandchild, brother, sister, how does that home then transfer to the next person? And and what does that kind of look like? Because I think that's what a lot of people are nervous. You know, kids, sometimes they they think they're entitled to their parents, (laughs) right, before they, they pass away. And so they're sometimes a little bit nervous. Uh, when that conversation comes up, because they're looking at their inheritance, right? And, you know, I'm just talking the truth here, because you and I see this all the time in our business. And so when you're talking a family through this process, and they're looking at doing that, how do you help the homeowner understand how uh, their heirs could still keep the house in the future? Yeah, I love having the adult children part of the conversation. um, Because when they sit down and learn the facts, they're usually for it. Also, my favorite people to talk to are adult children whose parents already have a reverse because they're like, mom gets to stay there. I'm not paying the bills anymore. She's independent. And of course, there's the ones that are like, if I don't get any equity, I don't care. I'm not paying out for mom now. Right. And she's not living in my house. Right. right? But it, first and foremost is the estate plan. Right. We, we want all of our clients to have trust just from an estate planning perspective. Um, that's safer, especially in California, where we have nine month probate sessions. Um, right. That costs thousands of dollars. So 
if it's in a, it can be in a trust, it's going to stay in the trust and get passed to as the trust um, describes, right? When the last borrower leaves, the loan is due and payable. And so that can, you know, mom finally passes. That's one way of leaving. The loan is due at that point. The heirs have six months to satisfy the loan. So like I said, nine out of 10 adult children want the money out of the house, not the house. Right. So most are going to sell and pay off the loan, just like any other loan. It's going to get paid off through escrow. It's no different. If they do want the house, they would just refinance or maybe use some assets from the, from the estate to pay off the loan. They can file for two separate 90-day extensions, so up to a year. Okay. We always tell everyone, be in communication with the servicer. You know, hey, we're aware. Right. Um, we're putting it on the market. That way, when you're coming up on the deadline, hey, you know, it was covered in snow all season. It was a bad time to sell. You know, that's melting or we've lowered the price. Seems to not be selling that kind of a thing. Be in communication because they, they certainly do not want to foreclose on a house, especially if there's lots of equity. Right, right. And then if there isn't equity, and this is going to be more common on loans that were done in 06 in areas where they haven't recovered from 2009 yet, right? they're not liable for the shortfall. So just to throw an example out there, they owe 500000 on the house. It's worth two fifty. They can't come after the estate for anything over the two fifty dollars that, that's owed. The heirs can truly sign a deed in lieu and mail the keys, or they can they have the opportunity to purchase the house for 95% the appraised value. Oh, interesting. For 250, they can buy it for 95% of the 250. The rest is covered by the FHA and and it's dealt done. Yeah, you know, I've encouraged people when I hear that they're thinking about doing reverse mortgage or they have on their parents' homes if their parents are healthy or even before to get some life insurance so there's some money available to help with that that next step process, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's not a lot of money because I know in California, the homes are expensive, but, you know, across the nation, it's, it's usually a lot less, you know, not every home costs, you know, 800 to $2 million like it does here, which is just crazy. But yeah, so that's a recommendation I always have is just to, if your intention is to keep it in the family, do a little planning and that's where you need estate attorneys and other people to be Mm -hmm. on your team. Yeah. And, and especially, and that's a question that I have with all my clients, you know, my client meetings start with what are your goals? What are you trying to do here? And then I'm trying to probe for potential reasons that in 20 years, they wouldn't be happy that they made this decision. Mm -hmm. Um, I never want my clients. Well, this is our only way to get out of rock bottom. And, you know, we don't really want to do it. We don't really want to be in this house, but we're trying to survive. That's not really a good way to use the tool. And so one of the questions I ask is, you know, do your kids really want the home? And I, I had a client last week that was like, yeah, we, this has been passed down through three generations. Like, okay, because that is a different conversation because we are now racking up a bill that does need to get paid. Right, We're not right. just going to sell and take the rest of the equity. And so what's the plan there? Because you can still do it. It's going to help you do what you need to do today. But if it is a high priority for you, and the other thing is to think about, you know, they have three children and I go, if it happened today, can they buy, you know, are they going to be able to buy each other out? You know, what's the plan here? Because every right. all, a lot of the kids say, no, I want it, have no plan and don't understand how that works. Who's going to pay the mortgage that you currently have? Who's going to take care? Who's buying each other out? Right. And so start putting yeah. that plan together, too, because it's not yeah. going to be any different 10 years from now. Because you could have three siblings. I mean, we're like three siblings and, 
you know, one might be really attached to the home and the other two just want some cash and, and go, right? And, and mm-hmm. visit you when you're living there. So when you say people leave the home, I know that we're talking about death, but sometimes the last person is going into a long-term care facility, which would also trigger having to satisfy this loan. So they need to understand this too, right? We're not just talking about death, but we're talking about the last person leaving the home and in any fashion. Yeah, it's it's when the last last borrower, so one spouse could leave if the other one's still there, uh, permanently moves out. So if it's some sort of hospital or post-hospital care and it, it's temporary, you know, we always advise be in contact with the servicer, you right. know, let them know. But that you have up to a year in, in that situation. Oh, okay. Yeah. But, you know, if it is permanent, no, you know, dad's going to long-term care. Yeah. At that point, you're probably selling the house. And then using the rest of the equity to help fund long-term care. How would Mutual of Omaha even know that you've left the house? Yeah, that one. So th- it's funny. When they pass, they know almost immediately. Right. Because um, there's a un- death certificate and yeah. everything. Yeah. And unfortunately, it, they get sent a very scary letter um, mm-hmm. that's, hey, we're going to foreclose on the house. Because it, that's what's beginning the foreclosure process. Right. So people need to calm down. And it's also, of course, it shows up four days after mom or dad pass, which is not nice. But that's, you know, that's kind of how it is. And so tell people, it's, it's okay, take a breath. You know, this is just the process. But as far as them moving out, so they do send a letter once a year. The borrower uh, has to sign it and mail okay, it back. Okay. And it can't be, can't be forwarded, things like that. You know, I, people ask me that a lot, you know, like, well, how would they know? You know, what if we just sign it? I'm like, well, you know, if you want to commit mortgage fraud, that's totally up to you. Right. No, I know. Right? But you, <laughs> you know. know. There are people, especially business owners, and, you know, the great line yeah. can be a really wide line mm-hmm. sometimes, right? <laughs> right, right. So I try to make it very clear, right. you know, that that's, uh, it's not a good thing. So, yeah, there's probably a way to get around the rule that doesn't mean that that's what you should do, right? So, but yeah, they, they do send a letter yearly. Okay. And those can get missed. Um, and it's, again, just call the servicer. I've, I've helped someone that, it wasn't my client, but, you know, someone knew I was a resource and just, Hey, she's getting a bunch of foreclosure letters. She still lives here. We don't know what's happening. Called the servicer, said, yep, you know, we missed the letter. We said, okay, great. Can you resend it? They said, absolutely. And got it solved. So it's just about communicating. And then do you, do you get notified in your book of business when your clients, when this process starts? I know on my life insurance side, when I have a client who's missed a payment or, you know, something needs to be done, I get copied on that. And so are you able to support them when something yeah. like that happens? So we don't t- typically service our own loans. Actually, m- pretty much all reverse mortgages are serviced by a company in Michigan called C-Link. They'll have different names on the top of the statement, but they all have the same phone number and address. So, But that's why I tell all my clients, you know, leave my card in your trust or leave my card with the packet. You know, yep. Tell your kids about it, you know, because I don't go away. It's my cell phone number. It's been the same forever. And give me a call because, you know, and I tell people too, I don't care who did the loan, you know, if someone's going through that and they're, right. and they're trying to understand what is happening, you know, give me a call because it, it's pretty straightforward. It's just, no one knows what's, you know, what's what. It's why we do this business. I mean, I have, you know, I call it community service work. I get calls, favors all day long and, you know, helping people out is why I believe probably you and I are in this business is because you know, they're not insurance agents, they're not reverse mortgage agents. And, mm-hmm. and so, you know, they need help. So, you had, yeah. Uh, so 
like when I deliver a policy, I put three cards in there. I staple it front, back, you mm-hmm. know, because somebody could take a card out or it falls out. But I make sure that when, you know, that time happens that they know how to get a hold of me. So exactly. Yeah. You had given me an example of how either a person or a couple can, and I may not be saying this right, I'll have you clarify it, uh, sell their home, um, move into a new home, be mortgage-free, and have cash. So I know I'm simplifying it, but to me, that's such an attractive option. I would love for you to share with our listeners what that looks like. Yeah, it's the reverse for purchase program. So it's buying a house with a reverse mortgage. Which when you when you say that to people, they tend to their eyes yeah. kind of start rolling back going, My how, eyes got how, this does, big. <laughs> how does that work? What's fun about that program is, is our most it, it's honestly our happiest client. It's not necessarily the most strategic or advanced planning or anything like that, but it is our happiest client. And so for someone who's looking to move, you know, downsize or go to a 55 plus community, they tend to have they probably most of my clients have still had a mortgage on their current place and they're trying to pay cash for the next place because they understand that cash flow is king in retirement. Right. And they right. don't want that mortgage payment. So usually, you know, my example in California, I had a couple selling and they were going to net about 360, 380 in that ballpark. And they wanted to live in a nice Dell Web 55 plus community that really was an uh, entry point at that point was probably 450 or 500,000. What we were allowed to do, so the way the purchase program works is for rough numbers, because it, it varies on age and interest rate, you put about half the price of the home down as a down payment. So for a $500,000 house, we're looking at about two fifty down, roughly. And so you put two fifty down, and then you don't have a mortgage payment for as long as you live in the house. So you're not going to receive money from the from the reverse. It's just going to be a fully funded reverse. We came in with the other two fifty. dollars oh. We put two fifty down. And now there's no mortgage payment. But what that allows those clients to do is put $100,000 in their bank account from the net of the previous house and still not have negative cash flow. So it's like, as far as their monthly cash flow is, it's like they paid cash for the house, but they didn't have to come out of investments for the extra money, or they didn't have to go to a house that they didn't really want. Right. Um, You know, I tell clients, the math says go live in 500 square feet. So it's not just about the math. (laughs) You have to be able to live there and stay there. And, you know, and I don't, because I'm so retirement focused and truly this is a retirement product. I'm not saying, well, you know, we could get you a $700,000 house because I want to see them put that money away. And for them specifically, this couple, that $100,000 was a 50% increase in their nest egg. I mean, they only had a couple hundred grand. So it was a huge difference for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and what, uh, you know, able to take a breath and not have to worry about a mortgage and, and then you can really kind of plan your lifestyle moving forward. Yeah. And forever. Course, they're in that house without a payment. Yeah. And if you're moving from California to New Mexico, North or South Carolina, somewhere where you get a little bit more bang for your buck, do you have an example of a, of a cool success, success yeah. story? On some how people that downsize. Out? Yeah, some people downsize and some people, they have enough to pay 100% cash. You know, they have the 500000 But we're in a place in America where the average retiree, two-thirds of their wealth is in home equity. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they've got their IRA maybe, but and that's hundred grand, And then the other two hundred is in is in the uh, house, you know, or, or kind of multiply that out. And so you know, you can still do the same thing. And a lot of them do to where, okay, I'm going to buy this $300,000 house and just put 150 down and I get to keep 
all that cash liquid or, you know, put it into whatever investments or annuities or, or any other tool, you know, make that money do something for you too, without spending two grand or a thousand dollars a month and negative cash flow for that mortgage payment. Yeah, because uh, renting right now, I don't care where you are in the country, rent seems to be more expensive than owning a home. Yeah, as far as monthly cash flow, you know, it's just paying property taxes and homeowners insurance, right? Right, right. It tends to be the cheapest way to live. And that's why retirees know, they kind of innately, they know without knowing, they know that that's why they want to pay cash. Right, yeah. You know, and, and we're just saying, well, let's not put it all in the house. So share with me, maybe the, I know there are ages when you can do this, maybe as an individual, but also as a couple. And I think there are a couple of programs out there. So can Mm -hmm. you share some of that information with us? Yeah. So 95% of reverse mortgages are going to be the FHA, uh, what's called a HECM, a home equity conversion mortgage. That's 95% of reverse mortgages today. There are some private programs. There's still true non-recourse, meaning you can't owe more than you can sell the house for, or you can't be forced to pay more than you can sell the house for. So the FHA program, one borrower needs to be at least 62. So we can okay. have a we can have a non-borrowing spouse on there. There's some caveats in there that if that's the situation, you know, if one of them's 61 and a half, I'm probably going to say, let's hang tight for a few months and let's get you both to be borrowers. There's just essentially if if the borrowing spouse moves out and you have a non-borrowing spouse for anything other than long-term care or passing away mm-hmm. and the loan is due. So the borrower can move to long-term care and the non-borrowing spouse would have what's called a deferral period, meaning they can stay in the house. If there's income or line of credit, that's turned off. So they just don't have a payment and they oh, can stay in the house and, and same with passing. But so there's the risk of, you know, they move out to go somewhere else. There's a separation or something like that. And then the loan would be due. So if we can get both of them to be borrowers, that's always best. But if they, you know, they need to do it and one's 57 or, or something like that, then yeah, that's an option. One has to be 62. There's private reverse, which now has a minimum age of 55. You know, I actually had average- a friend talk to me about this program that he was yeah. thinking about doing it. Yeah, it sounded very interesting, but I don't know a lot about it. Yeah, it takes a special, you know, our average client's 70 to 75. Right, um, right. 62 is very, very young. And you can always sell a reverse mortgage. You could sell it the next day. But it's always, it works best on your last house. So I get a little nervous when someone's 55 because I'm you're so young. Where are you going to live? You know, you could move three more times. So, but of course, it's still an option. They can sell whatever they want. The private is a little bit higher interest rates, a little bit less closing costs. Um, but the loan to values are pretty low for a 55 year old. Mm-hmm. So at the highest interest rate in um, currently, you know, currently today was it's March of 22. I think it's about 6.99% offers about a 40% loan to value for a 55 year old kind of in that ballpark. So you really take a special case to where that's worth it for someone. And of course, you know, I had one borrower that that's about 57. He said, as soon as I don't have to make a mortgage payment, I want to do it. And so, you know, we're waiting for that kind of house value to come up high enough to where it makes sense. And we can just pay off that mortgage. He goes, I want to be here forever. So it takes someone like that and, right. and says, I don't care what happens to the equity. That interest rate is just going to be growing forever. And I'm just going to pay it when I'm dead out of the house. Right. <laughs> so it takes someone who, who has those goals for that right. program, for that program to make sense. Yeah. But it is an option. And then the private goes up to about a $10 million house. So the FHA cap is around 970, which doesn't mean 
you can't do a house more than that. It just means they're going to loan off of that amount. Got it. So for the private was initially kind of what we refer to as a jumbo. It was for those homes a million and up. That's where we, we start to look at that option. So there's just a lot of creativity and stuff going on. We spoke uh, at the beginning of the podcast, how at least I did, I used to think like this was a program that you use when you're destitute and you and I getting to know each other, you've clearly made me understand that this is really about kind of like your middle-class, upper middle-class tool. And so can you talk about that a little bit? Because maybe talk about the process, the loan process without going into a lot of details, but thinking you have to have good credit, right? And other things. And so can you share a little bit about that process? There is qualifying. There's income qualifying. You know, we have to make sure that you can pay the property taxes and homeowners insurance and feed yourself. And and there's some equations for that. We don't have some of the traditional, uh, we don't actually look at credit score. We still do look at credit and lates on credits can, can affect how it looks. And things like that. So, you know, typically if someone has a low credit score, the things that are causing that are are also going to make it a little more challenging for us. Right. Uh, essentially what they do is they they can do an impound account, a reverse mortgage version of an impound account where they put aside a big chunk of money to pay the property taxes and homeowners insurance for the borrower. But because that comes out of what you qualify for, sometimes it, it doesn't make sense anymore for a client, depending on their situation. So but we don't look at credit score and, and we do look at credit history. So it is one of those, it goes back to it's an asset protection tool and not an asset accumulation tool. And so when we're waiting until the end and we don't have those assets to protect, it just is really hard. It, and sometimes it can work, but it's going to work more like a Band-Aid. You know, it's not going to work as well. It's not going to work right. as well. And sometimes it does. And I think it does. It's that misperception of this is kind of a poor person loan. Uh, you know, we have clients that are like, what do you need all this for? You know, that have well, good assets, good income, but are surprised that we have such a rigorous qualifying process. And, and in weird ways, sometimes a reverse mortgage is harder to qualify for. Uh, there's things that come up that don't come up on a traditional loan because we are going with, we have to go through the FHA and their rules. So but it's, you know, this is where you want to meet with a professional who's going to help educate you, you know, has a heart of a teacher um, right. to look at the option and how it's going to fit into your plan. And why I always tell people, you know, look at it when you're 58 and say, hey, can we look at what it would look like when we're 62, you know, most likely because that's kind of the better program right now. And when do we put this in place? You know, do we do it when we're 62? Do we need to wait and, and look at, OK, do we sell and do the purchase program? And look at your plan because you can always put it in place later, you know, but you can see how that cash flow advantage will help you throughout your retirement. So if I remember correctly, we spoke about earlier that you can go through this whole process, get it all set up, and you don't necessarily have to trigger the income or start using the money or stop Mm -hmm. paying your mortgage. But what is the advantage of getting it in place early, just kind of letting it bake, right? Yeah. And then, you know, five, six, seven, eight years later, you're like, okay, now's the time that we want to kind of get this thing going for us. Yeah. The most strategic and kind of our favorite use of the tool is, is a free and clear house or close to free and clear house setting up a line of credit. So that same amount that you're going to qualify for instead of paying off a mortgage or taking a bunch of cash out would be in a line of credit. And that line of credit actually grows at the same interest rate your loan would. 
And so what that creates is essentially it's kind of like a credit card where every month they say you can now borrow more. Right. Okay. And that just happens. Nice. <laughs> that just happens every single month on, on the reverse mortgage line of credit. And so what that creates is it, it almost looks like a deferred annuity. You know, at first you have maybe a $200,000 line of credit sitting there available to you. Well, in 20 years, it can be a $700,000 line of credit. Right. Regardless of what the value of the home is, right? As long as you're still living there, paying your property taxes and insurance, that's there. It's not like a traditional home equity line where in 2008, they all went away. Yep. You know, or even March of 2020, <laughs> people's were frozen. Right. Um, it can't be frozen. It can't be locked. It can't be reduced or canceled um, as long as they're meeting those loan requirements. And so, and that's backed by the FHA. So even if, if we go away as a company, the FHA is behind that line of credit. And so that can be turned on as monthly income for what we call tenure, but essentially it's like annuitizing the income for as right. long as one of them lives there. It can be turned on as term income. That would be more for a long-term care need. Hey, you know, we need 5,000 a month. Right. Uh, the advantage over, there's advantages and disadvantages to kind of annuity versus reverse mortgage or versus long-term care. And, and they've done some research at the American College of Financial Services that it kind of puts annuities and reverse mortgages kind of performing on par with each other uh, because there are advantages and disadvantages between the two. And, but it's very flexible. You can turn the income on and then turn it off. You know, you can make payments and pay down your loan that you borrowed and that becomes available line of credit again. So it can always be revolving. Oh, nice. And so it's so flexible that you can do things like, okay, we're going to delay our social security for three more years oh, and make it to go. age 70. And we're going to draw on the reverse. And then once we get to age 70, we're going to stop drawing on the reverse. Right. Right. And the ta- the money, you know, I have to say, I'm not a tax professional, but it's a loan. So the money you're drawing is not going to affect your provisional income for social security and it's not going to be taxed. So a thousand dollars in the reverse mortgage is a thousand dollars in your pocket. And so, but again, it's just so flexible that you can kind of adapt it. There's tools for doing Roth conversions, you know, living off of that and having a poor year, things like that. So there's, it's so flexible. And one of the advantages over long-term care is there's no, there's no activities of daily living requirements. Right. There's no gatekeeper or anything. You can yeah. There's no going on claim. Right. It's just, I want this a month. Um, I'm going to ask you a question. You may not be able to answer it, but, or maybe you probably can. Let's say that I have a reverse mortgage and I take out 50,000 in in one year. Is is that tax free to me? Do I, do I report that in my taxes when I get it done for the year? Is there any tax consequence to that? Yeah. The correct answer is I'm not a tax professional. Right. Um, I understand. Because it's a loan, no, you're you're borrowing fifty thousand. Okay, it's not income. Okay, super. Yeah, because it's going to get paid out of the home at the end. Okay, super. Yeah, I understand the whole tax thing. Yeah. We're just talking. I just, I'm not a state professional. I'm not a tax professional. I'm not giving financial advice. I I come no, with a lot no. of disclosures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have the same ones. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we talked a little bit before, and so I have the question like you know, where are you going or where is your profession going? And you had indicated that uh, you believe the the reverse mortgage industries become more professional as a whole. And so maybe you can just share with me what the the industry recognizes their perception is and how they're trying to get, you know, people to understand what it really is and how it's moving forward. Yeah, the reverse mortgage industry, you know, I said, you have to have a passion to be in this business. It's kind of walking uphill both ways in the snow with all the past problems, all the, the rumors that have just really never been true, but everyone believes. And, and so I think we've come a long way. I still think there's a long way to go. 
there's still a lot of companies out there that are described by my clients as pushy, you know, rude. They're trying to get people into a loan. And I think that we need to pull away from that mentality as an industry as much as possible. I think we really need to professionalize and be mostly working with financial professionals who Mm -hmm. can help see the need and we can come alongside and make it happen and being the experts because it really, like I said, it's a tool to fit alongside all the other tools. That's when it works best. When we can pair it with other things, we don't personally, I don't want it to be the sole problem solver. Right. I don't, I, you know, I think that, and again, that can work. You know, so we have clients that do that and it does help their situation, but it works a lot better with all the other tools combined. It just like, you know, that's kind of financial planning, right? We need tax diversification. We need all these things to work together, insurance and investments, right? As they work together, we have the best outcome. And so there's the National Reverse Mortgage Lending Association. So it's NRMLA. Uh, We call it NRMLA. And they have the Certified Reverse Mortgage Professional designation, which has eight hours of continuing education, higher ethics standards, things like that. So that's helpful. And of course, they're advocating uh, for us to the FHA because they're they're the ones that make all the rules and things like that. So, you know, I think we have come a long way. And just last year is when they added the long-term care kind of benefit to the um, non-borrowing spouse situation. So previously to last year, if the borrowing spouse went to long-term care, then the loan was due. And they they added that protection and then backdated it through August of 2014, I believe. I'll have to oh, double check wow, that. That's but, great. Which is great. And so they are working on it and they do are trying to make it better. And so there's a few things in my head that I'd like to see changed, but they're pretty avoidable and can have the conversation ahead of time. So, yeah. Okay. Wow. So much. I mean, are your referral partners or the people you work with, uh, who are they? Are they financial planners, estate attorneys? Who are your your partners that you work with in concert usually? Yeah. Uh, financial planners are huge um, because they can really help see the whole picture and how it's going to fit into place and help advise us and their clients how it should be structured. Because like I said, with all that flexibility, there's so many options. And we kind of come in and go, well, here's you know, we're not going to look at this or this, but this is kind of where we are as the experts in the reverse mortgage side and then push it back to them to, you know, meet with the client and see how it's structured. So they're huge for us. Yeah, but CPAs, estate planning attorneys, realtors a lot for the purchase program, you know, and to go back, the purchase is so fun because everyone's a hero. You know, they got the house of their dreams. They put money in their account and they don't have a payment. They're just, you know, so the realtor's a hero. Uh, The clients love us. So those are so fun. But and of course, clients, you know, I don't, I do hardly any direct to client. Um, I don't, you know, presentations or anything like that. I think it's just personally my style. I don't like to go and say, I'm, I know nothing about you, but I'd like to give you this product. Right. You know? I mean, referrals are always the best, right? Yeah. 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 And understanding that there's a need there. Um, well, anytime I'm looking for a service, I always start asking my, the people around me for who have you used and why and there's just such a sense of comfort that you're not having to just throw a dart at the board and hope that you get the right person to help you out. Right. Yeah. And I tell my clients when I think that they should, that another option might be better. Right. Um, sure. and, and there are situations like that. And I think that's the biggest thing for me and, and my trusted referral partners is that they know that I'm not just going to try and put their client into a loan if it doesn't make sense. Right. And I'm going to help them look at all their options 
you know, and which one makes sense for them and see that those, those pitfalls that are going to come up and like, okay, so if, you know, you guys are thinking of moving to Idaho in two years, let's wait and do it on that house. Right. You know, right. And, and that kind of a thing. So much to learn. I look forward to having you back in the later in the year. So much happens in November, December, January of every year. There's transitions for so many reasons. And so I hope I can put you on my calendar and uh, yeah, just talk about what's new. But that's always a time when things seem to happen in families. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I'd like to put you back out there. So for your closing message, what would you like people to really know? And then how they can get a hold of you. Obviously, we'll post, you know, your bio and everything. But go ahead, share with us yeah. your closing message. <laughs> yeah. So my biggest thing is don't wait till the end. Find a reverse mortgage professional that has the heart of a teacher and can help you just explore and learn about the tool as an option. And and of course, I have, you know, I, I'm connected to loan officers that specifically do reverse in 48 states. So of course, they can reach out if if they're somewhere else. And find someone who's who's going to be that for them. You know, as far as getting a hold of me, I, you know, they can, of course, email me or call me. My website is mutualreverse.com slash Mitchell Cooper. My email is first initial last name, mcooper at mutualmortgage.com. All kind of tied together there. My phone number is 916-768-9150. Awesome. All right, Mitch, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It's so much fun. What a fun medium. Yeah, I love it. And I'm excited for people to understand this. The more I understand it and the more I talk to you, um, it really allows me to have conversations with my clients and the people in my world. So thank you so much. And um, we'll be talking soon. Sounds great. Thanks, Ellen. All righty. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of On Life with Helen Ornelas podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share with a friend. And if you haven't already subscribed, rated and reviewed on your favorite podcast player, please do. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas, or you might want to be a guest on my show, you can reach me directly, Helen at OrnelasInsurance.com, H-E-L-E-N at O-R-N-E-L-L-A-S Insurance.com. In closing, this podcast is dedicated to all who believe in preparing for the future and beyond.